0: We're starting a new series that we are calling Encounters with Jesus. Encounters with Jesus. And I guess we can say we kicked it off last week since we were in Luke chapter 10 and we looked at the parable of the Good Samaritan and this lawyer's uh, encounter with Jesus. Uh, And so what we're going to do over the next several weeks is we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke and we're going to take selected passages in the Gospel of Luke and we're going to look at some of the, the encounters that Jesus had with individuals and some of the things that he taught within uh, the Luke's account of the gospel. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm encouraged about that for a number of reasons because, one, one, that's what we do every year at the beginning of the year is we have a focus on our vision and values here. Our vision here is to know Jesus, love people, and impact your world. We are about knowing Jesus. We can do a lot of great things in life and in the world, but if we don't know Jesus, it's meaningless, it's worthless. And so we want to prioritize that relationship with Jesus. The one thing that we sing about today, we want to make that priority, Christ first, in our hearts and in our lives. Amen? And so that's what we're going to be focusing in on, and we are going to look at a story in Luke chapter 10. If you would turn there with me, story of Mary and Martha. I've titled this message today, Devotion to Christ and Distractions. Devotion to Christ and Distractions. Luke Ten, starting in verse 38. And now as they went on their way, they entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him And said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord, and all God's people said, Amen. So here's our big idea this morning. Devotion to Jesus is the ultimate priority of Christian discipleship. Devotion to Jesus is the ultimate priority of Christian discipleship, and distractions must be resisted. We live in a day when distractions are many, abounding. So many ways to be distracted from the one Priority, the, the most important priority that we are to have as followers of Jesus. Last week we looked at Luke chapter chapter ten in the first uh, in, the, in the previous verses to this story here, and we looked at the parable of the Good Samaritan, and the message was about loving your neighbor, and Jesus was teaching this expert of the law who knew what was required of him was to love God with all his entire being, all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love his neighbor as himself. He knew that was the right answer, that this is what God wants for us, and Jesus said these are the greatest commandments. The very greatest is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second Love your neighbor as yourself. And prior to that, Jesus had sent out his disciples on a mission trip to preach the gospel, to go spread the good news of the kingdom. And so we see, God's, we see a, a picture here of what Christian ministry is about in Luke chapter 10. Christians are called to be ambassadors who represent Jesus, who live on mission for him, who spread the word. Christians are called to be loving neighbors, who serve those around them. And Christians are called to be worshipers who love God, who love Jesus and prioritize him. And that is to be put in proper perspective. That is to be put in the proper place in our lives because when we get the the second commandment and the, 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 the first and greatest commandment mixed and we, we get them out of order, our lives become burdensome and we get cranky and irritable. And life becomes very difficult. Loving people is important. We need to do it. Spending time with people, prioritizing relationships. We are about that here. Knowing Jesus, loving people, and impacting your world. But first and foremost, it's about this abiding relationship that we have with Christ. It's about prioritizing our time with him, putting him first. Charles Spurgeon says this in commenting on this section in Luke he says this he says, "While we ought to abound in service and do good abundantly to our fellow men, men, yet we must not fail in worship and spiritual reverence and meek discipleship and quiet contemplation, while while we are practical, like the seventy who went out and preached, like we are practical like the Samaritan." Like Mary, we are also like the Savior to rejoice in the Spirit and say, Father, I thank Thee. Jesus did this after the disciples returned, talking about their mission trip. We are also like Mary to sit in quietude and nourish our souls with divine truth. So here we get a picture, we get a snapshot of two friends of Jesus Martha and Mary, they knew Jesus, and they had a brother named Lazarus, who Jesus raised from the dead. They lived in a town called Bethany, which was about two miles or so um, from, from uh, Jerusalem. Now, in modern day, it's, it's actually ju- considered Jerusalem now. Uh, we're told this in, in John chapter uh, 11. It says, uh, now that there was in a certain place, uh, Lazarus of Bethany, the, the village of Mary and her sister Martha, uh, who, who anointed the Lord with, with oil and wiped his, f- his feet with her hair, whose brother was Lazarus, was, was ill. Listen to this. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. There's an implication there that there was a relationship. Jesus loved this family. Jesus had friends. The Son of God, the eternal Son of God, became a human being, stepped into this world, and he had friends. He had disciples. He had friends. He had relationships. And he would stay at this, at their home. They would host him. You might call it a a, like an Airbnb kind of kind of thing, a bed and breakfast where you can come and and stay and and connect and get a meal and, and and connect with some good friends. And so Jesus would stay there. Uh, travelers who would would annually go to jerusalem would need places to stay pilgrims jewish pilgrims who would travel to the feast would need places to stay and remember jesus himself didn't have his own home right he was just going around preaching he had no place of his own to lay his head and so he depended upon the hospitality of others who welcomed him and so my, my first point here this morning is, is is from Martha's life that she served diligently. Christians are called to serve. We are called to be servants. Jesus himself was a servant. She was very diligent in serving. It, it appears that she was the oldest in, 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 in the family or the oldest of, of Martha and Mary, and, and she was Responsible. She was thinking about the practical needs within the home of hospitality. By the way, we're told in the scriptures to be hospitable. This is a requirement for those who are leaders in the body of Christ, for elders, we're to have this disposition of hospitality, which comes from our Lord Jesus himself. But it says this it says, Martha was distracted with much serving. Martha was distracted with much serving. Serving is good, but there comes a point in our service that we can get too wrapped up in all the details and exceed what's expected of us from the Lord even, and get distracted with trying to tweak all these things and miss the main thing, the one thing that we should put our focus in on. She was distracted with much serving, much serving. Now, I know, I, know, I know City Church Garland, and we here have some amazing servants. We have people who love Jesus and love one another, and we serve. We give of our time, our energy, our resources, because Jesus has done that. He has rescued us and redeemed our lives. And so we open up our lives to the lives of others, and we serve. And there's been many conversations that I've had to have with, with, with some of you. And, and even myself, I'm preaching to myself this morning because I'm a yes guy. I, I want to help people as much as I can when I see need. I want to bless people. I want to serve people. But there, there comes a point where, where we have to stop and sit down and listen to Jesus. We need to make this a priority daily. Daily in the lives of uh, the disciples of Jesus. So we see that, that Martha, she was, she was serving, but she was distracted, and she was frustrated, okay? When, when, when your service leads you to frustration and you're irritated with others, it's time to, to examine what's going on there, right? When you're frustrated serving Jesus and, 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 and you got a complaint with him, to him, Because of an issue, you might want to examine what's going on. Why why are you frustrated? Why are you irritated? Martha, she was distracted with much serving. Now, we we too can be distracted with much serving, but also we are distracted with many things in this modern age. Our cell phones are one of the biggest ones. We spend time like this. It's one of the biggest hindrances to our relationship, with the Lord and relationships with others is just being glued to this thing. Kevin D. Young in his book called Crazy Busy says this. He writes about one of the underlying lies of modern distraction. He says that the biggest deception in our digital age may be that the the lie that says we can be omnicompetent, omni-informed, and omnipresent. We cannot be any of those things. We must choose our absence, our inability, and our ignorance, and we must choose wisely. All right? And so there's so much information out there. There's so many. We can Google everything and read articles and watch YouTube videos on it and read book after book after book and get so informed and so uh, caught up with searching things out and addicted to these screens that it distracts us from the one thing that Jesus says is priority here. Also, we see that motives for ministry matters. Motives for ministry matters. HB Charles says this that motives motives matter more than ministry. When you lose your why, you lose your way. When you lose your why, you lose your way. And we talk about this here at City Church. We go back to the why. We go back to why are we doing what we're doing. Jesus did this when he addressed the heart in Matthew chapter 16. He said, when you pray, when you fast, and when you give, don't do it to be seen by people. All right? If your devotion is to impress people, Jesus says you already have your reward. But when you fast and when you pray and when you give, do it secretly to be seen by your Father in heaven. And when he sees you, he will see you. He will reward you openly. And so motives matter. When we we lose the why, we lose our way. We get burnt out. You know, uh, I've, I've talked to many folks who have, who have experienced burnout in ministry, burnout in serving, and I think that can happen for a number of reasons that, that can contribute to somebody being burned out. One, I think we can serve in our own strength. We can try to do service for Christ without depending on Christ or abiding in Christ and enjoying Christ, right? We get so caught up. With making a meal that we forget about the one who's there to enjoy the meal with. Right? Or, or I think we can, we can we can uh, take on more expectations than, than God has for us. We can overcommit ourselves and do things that maybe He hasn't called us to do, or at a time that He's called them to do, called us to do them. All right? Or our motives could be wrong, the reason for our service. It may be that we want people to see us and affirm us and validate us as special, as important, gifted, and 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 you know, um encourage us. And so if we're doing ministry in these kinds of ways, I think it can lead to getting burdened, burdened, and burned out, discouraged and frustrated, and then nick pit and bring our complaints to others, or even Jesus, God forbid. We see Martha here confronting Jesus. She confronts Jesus here. She says this, she says, Lord, she calls him Lord, which, okay, that's, that's good. All right. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Lord, I mean, can you hear the frustration in her, in her voice? I mean, I can imagine her with, her with her hand on her hip. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Now now she's not only frustrated with Mary for sitting there and getting to hear all the good teaching and not helping her out in the moment, but now she's bringing that to Jesus. Like, Jesus, you ought to be saying something. You ought to do something. Don't you even care? That I'm I'm having to bear this load. Right? And And then and then she gives Jesus directives, a command to tell him, tell her to help me. All right. Now, now that's a problem, I think, when we start directing our Lord, our master and telling him what to do. We're supposed to get our directions from him and have a posture of submission to what he says and what he wants, and pray, your will be done, not my will. That's the posture of a of a Christian. In, in Christian ministry, that's how we're to live our lives. Not, Lord, tell them to help me. All right? And so, We're called to, as Psalm 100 says, serve the Lord with gladness. Perhaps Martha needed to be reminded of that. Serve the Lord with gladness. Not irritation, not frustration, not condemnation, but serve the Lord with gladness. Take delight in doing his will. This, Lord, don't you care that my sister... Uh, has left me reminds me of the, the disciples when they were in the boat with Jesus and there was a storm and th- these were experiments experienced fishermen who were afraid that they were about to die and Jesus was resting taking a nap and 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 he was stern asleep on a sleep on a cushion and they woke him up and they said teacher do you not care that we are perishing we're about to die do something right Maybe somebody here feels like that today. When it, with Jesus, with God, you feel some frustration or disappointment with how things are are going in your life. Now, first of all, you you have the freedom to convey your frustration and your complaint to Him. Okay, He knows your heart. He know it's He knows it's there. Don't pretend that it's not if you are frustrated with Him and take it out on other people. Like pour out your heart to Him. Now, in in the disciples' instance, Jesus got up, and he spoke one word, and he calmed the storm. Peace, be still. Right? And Martha needed that in her heart in that moment, because she was experiencing an emotional storm. She was anxious. And she was troubled, and she was distracted with much serving, with good intentions, I'm sure. I I imagine, at least, she, she had good intentions to serve and just do good. I mean, if you got a knock on the door, it's Jesus and his disciples, they're ready for the dinner. What would you do? If 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 you were able to host Jesus, okay, I mean, just think about: Have you hosted somebody special in your home over for dinner? You had somebody special for, for home. Uh, we love hosting people. We love hosting community group and having people over. But there's pressure that's added when you're the host and you're cooking. You're trying you're trying to make something good. All right, you want the house to be clean, and it can get a little tense in the house and get a little heated in the kitchen. All right? And it wasn't just the, the oven that was getting, it, there, was, there was some relational heat in the kitchen. All right? And we can get a little crabby with one another, and like, oh, we need to do this or that. And I'm, and I'm guilty. I mean, I'm guilty. I, I've done this when it comes to community group, and, you know, um, oh, they're here early, 15 minutes early. All right, all right, do this, do that, do that, right? And I, so I, I, can, I, can, I can sympathize with Martha. Martha loved Jesus. And Jesus loved Martha. She believed in him. She called him Lord. She was friends with him. She was hosting Jesus and, and possibly his disciples as well for this dinner. What a, what a special, special thing. But, but even in that good thing of hosting Jesus, we can lose sight and lose giving him our attention and devotion that he deserves. Even in Christian ministry, doing good things to help people We can lose sight of the why and lose sight of focusing, ministering to the one who we are to minister ultimately to and be ministered to by listening to his words. Now, Jesus says her name twice, okay? He says, Martha, Martha, okay? Now, this happens a number of times in scripture. There's Abraham, Abraham, Jacob, Jacob. Moses Moses Samuel Samuel Martha Martha Simon Simon Jerusalem Jerusalem Saul Saul You see when God addresses a person twice in scripture it's 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 there to emphasize importance there there's something important that is going to be communicated when God says your name twice Mark Mark Thomas Thomas when he says your name twice he has he has a message for you Lori Lori He has a message for you, all right? He had a message for Martha, and he was, with that message, he was going to graciously and lovingly cut through the distraction, cut through the emotional uh, 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 storm that she was um, uh, experiencing, and speak the truth in love. (laughs) And call her, speak to her right where she's at. You are troubled and worried about many things, Jesus said. You are anxious and troubled about many things. I know this is a struggle for many in the day in which we live. Mental health issues have gone up in the last few years. Anxiety, people taking prescriptions for anxiety, losing sleep, trouble of soul, anxiety internally. People are experiencing that. We're in front of our screens, reading news. And social media, and all that's just contributing to the internal storm that we're feeling, the mental and emotional storm that we're experiencing. All the while, Jesus says, Come to me, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and you will find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy. And my burden is light, and in it you will find rest for your soul. If you're living as if the world depends entirely upon you, and you got to stay up to keep everything together, you got to hold it all up with your strength and your intellect and your good planning and your hard work, you're going to wear yourself out. God doesn't need you, and he doesn't need me. He's God. We need him. And he's invited us to be a part of what he's doing in the world. And he wants us to do that in that abiding relationship with him, staying connected to him, loving him and abiding in him is more important than doing for him. And we must get that, we must get that right. I had a professor in Bible school who, who said to a bunch of young, passionate. Bible school students who are ready to go out and be missionaries in other countries and start churches and, and serve in ministries and churches. And, and they were passionate, on fire, uh, young adults for Jesus. And this, this professor would say, you are here to get the message straight before you get it out. Before you go and you tell everybody about Jesus and you lead people to Jesus, you need to make sure that you get the message straight. Make sure you know what you're talking about. Understand it. And you see, when you think about it in in those terms with what Mary was doing, Mary was doing something very practical. Jesus was going to die soon. He was going to leave the world soon. And he was teaching. He He was teaching. And Mary had tuned in her ears to hear what Jesus was teaching. Because the disciples needed to know what to do when Jesus left. There was a lot of work that was to be done. And so it was very practical to listen to what Jesus had to say. And I think that's very practical for us too. If we're going, one, to overcome our anxieties and our troubles and our fears and and know how to spend our time in 2024 most effectively doing the will of God, we got to first tune our ears to God daily. And focus in on him and hear what he has to say. What's your assignment for me today, Lord? Rather than hitting the ground running and just assume you already know what it is and go about like, like I tend to do when I'm putting, putting things together from Ikea or some kind of thing that we get. Like, I know how to do this. I'll just put these parts together and next thing you know, I miss a step and then I'm working backwards. I have to, uh, read. you know, it, it takes so much longer. And so Jesus does care about service, okay? Jesus said this. He said, but he said, not so with you. Rather, the greatest among you um, among you, become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater? One who reclines at the table who serves, or, or one who serves. Is, not, is it not the one who reclines at the table? He says, but I am among you as one who serves. This is what he says in Luke 20, 22. Jesus describes himself as one who serves. He poured his life out in ministry. Jesus ministered to people. He did what the Father wanted every single day. But every day, Jesus spent time in, uh, connecting with the Father in prayer. He would rise early in the morning. And pray, Mark one thirty five, And he stayed in tune with what the Father had for him. He says in John uh, chapter 5, I believe I only do what I see the Father doing. He stayed in tune with the Father's assignment for his life. He served, and he's, he set the example for us. But he also prioritized that communion with the Father. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, we must not be so active as to, ne- as to neglect communion nor so contemplative as to be, become unpractical. Eugene Peterson says this, activity without, or he says, people who don't listen usually do too much or the wrong thing or do the right thing in the wrong way. We don't want to have activity without attention on Jesus. We want to stay connected with him. We want to abide in him and get directions from him. Get the message straight before we get the message out. Allow him to fill our cups before we go trying to fill other people's cups. You know, when you're riding on a plane, the stewardess tells you, you know, if there's, in case you need some oxygen or something happens, put the mask on. Your, if you have kids, put the mask on yourself first, parents. And then put it on your kids. You know why they do that, right? Because if you're a parent, if there's if you're in need of oxygen in the plane, and a parent's trying to put the mask on the kids first, they may pass out and not be able to do that if they don't first put the mask on themselves. We need communion with Jesus. We need abiding relationship and hearing from Him and prayer and worship, submission to Him. Daily. And Mary modeled this for us. Mary sat listening to Jesus' teaching. Verse 39 she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. I love what A.T. Robinson says that the best dish on the table is fellowship with Jesus. The best dish on the table is fellowship with Jesus. Now, it's interesting here to note that this phrase, she sat at the feet of Jesus. We, we see Mary often when she's mentioned, she is at the feet of Jesus. Okay, Whether it's John chapter 12, pouring out oil on Jesus, anointing Jesus, preparing him for burial because he's going to die. Pouring out a costly offering and worship, and honor of Jesus. And there's a fragrance. We see uh, at John John 11, she's at the feet of Jesus, grieving her and her sister, Martha, grieving over the death of their brother Lazarus. There's a stench. There's a smell this time. It's not a good smell, because Lazarus has been dead four days. She's at the feet of Jesus. And we see here in Luke chapter 10, Jesus comes over for dinner. They're hosting Jesus. There's, there's probably a good smell in the house. Martha's been cooking. Now, by the way, I, I, I personally think that Mary, Mary probably helped with some preparations. There were probably preparations that happened beforehand, right? But it says that Martha was distracted with much serving. Martha, in a spirit of excellence, was trying to go above and beyond. Instead of maybe presenting a casserole to Jesus and, and his companions, she was trying to put on a banquet for Jesus, all right? And she was distracted with the much-serving. And Mary discerned what was best in that moment for her. Just sit, sit at the feet of Jesus. You see, this implies discipleship. This implies a a submission to the authority of Jesus, a coming under the authority and the apprenticeship or discipleship of Jesus. Mary was a disciple. Now, she wasn't one of the 12 disciples that traveled with Jesus, but she was a disciplined learner. She was a student. She was listening. This is what disciples of Jesus do. They learn. They listen. And they learn from Jesus. And they do what he's taught them. Right? And so she was listening. Now what's ironic about this, what's ironic about this was Jewish rabbis didn't allow women to do that with them. Right? And so this was countercultural that this was happening. And so, so there were some cultural issues going on there. Maybe that's something that, that bothered Martha. We don't know for certain. But she was there and Jesus didn't have any problem with it at all. He actually defended her in her choice to listen. You know, I love, by the way, that, that Luke emphasizes, um, he emphasizes the, a number of places where women are ministering and included in ministry, in the Gospel of Luke and in the book of Acts. He does that more than other writers of the, the New Testament do, by the way, and I'll say more about that in a moment. But let me just say this, too, is that it's, it's not just about listening to Jesus and what he has to say. We also need to obey, and I think, that, I think that Mary probably was ready to do that as well. But at the moment, it was time to listen, right? And obedience starts with listening. The greatest commandment starts with the Shema, is Deuteronomy 6. starts with, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So listen, love the Lord your God. And then it says, parents, diligently teach your children, tell, tell your children what you've learned in loving the Lord and lead, lead them into obeying his commands. And, and Luke chapter 8, just a couple chapters behind this section we're looking at today. His, then his mother and brothers came to him and they, they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was, he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God, and they do it. Notice his words here. Jesus is putting priority on spiritual family. And he's making a point here. Here's the family of God. Okay? Now, our, our, our blood family, our, our immediate family is important. We're not to neglect our relationships. But Jesus is making a point here. He makes it again in, in Luke chapter 11. He said these things. A woman, he, a woman in a crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you in the breast at which you nursed. But he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and they keep it. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and they keep it. And so James tells us that we're to, be, we're to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And so there's much serving to be done. There's much obedience and work to be done. But it starts first with us hearing and enjoying Jesus and encountering Jesus and being with Jesus. Mark chapter 3 says, Jesus called to himself those that he wanted to be with him that he might send them out to preach calls us first to himself and then he sends us out to preach. Now let me make a a point here about women in ministry because I think this is an important note here and and even that Luke includes this story of Martha and Mary in this section highlights um, the importance of women in ministry and their part in the kingdom of God and in ministry. Pastor theologian Thabiti uh, says this, he says, if the, the parable of the Good Samaritan exposes racism and ethnic prejudice as anti-Christian, then this story exposes sexism as anti-Christian. Our Lord from the beginning loves and includes women among his disciples in his fellowship. Luke quotes Joel, Joel chapter th- two or three, Joel chapter two, your sons and daughters will prophesy, all right? The Holy Spirit will be poured out. And we see, we see in Luke chapter eight, the beginning of Luke chapter eight, we see there are some women who financially supported Jesus in his ministry. They supported Jesus in his ministry. We see here with Martha and Mary, they're ministering to Jesus with hospitality. They're providing for him to lodge and experience some food and some R&R. And so now let's look at Jesus' response to Martha. When Martha came in and expressed her frustration with Mary, who was just sitting there. You can just imagine the thoughts. Who does she think she is just sitting there, leaving me here alone to serve by myself? Jesus said, after he said, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. He says, but one is necessary and Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her Martha you're all worked up and he cared about her emotional state he cared about the situation but he was graciously correcting her speaking the truth and love to her and one he, he didn't he didn't tell Martha to sit down by the way And he didn't tell Mary to get up. He actually defended and validated her choice. She's made a good choice here. She's chosen the good portion. And that will not be taken away from her. She has a place at my feet, at my table, and that will not be taken away from her. Saints, you have a place at the feet of Jesus and at the table of the family of God. You're invited to be with him in communion with him, not just do for him. You're invited to be with him, to listen, to hear, to abide, to worship, to pray. Are you a one thing person? Are you a one thing person? Is this a priority in your life to be with Jesus and to hear him speak? David was a one-thing person. David in Psalm 27 said, One thing I have desired, one thing I have asked of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. David was a one-thing person. David also said in Psalm 16, which which Jesus' words to Martha in response reminds me of Psalm 16, 5, where David says, The Lord is my chosen portion. You maintain my lot. Is the Lord your chosen portion? Are you a one-thing person? Paul was a one-thing person. He said, uh, he said, Brothers, I do not consider that I have... I, Actually, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward for what lies ahead. Paul was a one thing person. This takes focus. This takes attention, us giving our attention on God, getting our instructions from him. And, and previously in these verses in, in Philippians 3, Paul said that I just want to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. He was about that. Let me share with you about an a activity me and my family did this week, a puzzle, I'm not big on puzzles but this week, me and my family did a puzzle. We we got one for I I got our kids one for Christmas, and uh during the Christmas break, we spent some time doing this thousand piece puzzle, which took it, was, it took a couple days um, for us to get it done. We didn't stay we didn't work on it for entirely for a couple of days, but it's called Winter Reading Nook. I thought it was a beautiful, colorful uh puzzle, and we had a delightful time. At first, everyone started, and then it was just me and mom in there, me and Kendall. Working on that puzzle. And we were getting into it, though. Like, we were enjoying doing this puzzle. There was satisfaction in finding those pieces and putting those pieces together like it was made to be. And one of the things we had to do continually to do that was we had to look at the reference. We had to look at the box or the provided print that was given to us of what that puzzle is to look like. And we were to reconcile all those pieces of the puzzle. I took that little center section. I wanted the window. And I, took, I feel like I took the hardest section because I just couldn't fit it together. You start with the edges, right? So I, I wasn't that experienced. So I was just following the lead of my family there. And uh, so we did the edges. We got it together. And we continually looked at the reference point and brought the pieces together. One of my kids... We lost some pieces. That's frustrating, right? You lose pieces of the, where'd the pieces of the puzzle go? One of my kids hid one of the pieces of the puzzle. They wanted to be the, the, the person to put the very last piece <laughs> of the puzzle in there and experience that satisfaction, right? And so I share this with you all because Jesus is the reference point for us as Christians, He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, the one who has patterned for us in in human flesh how we are to live. A life of love for God, love for people. Jesus lived the life we've all failed to live. He's the standard of perfection. And he brings about reconciliation in our lives. All the scattered pieces, the mess in our life that just feels all spread out and lost. He's the one that brings it all together, who holds it all together. And if we're going to experience the fullness of what he has for us, the wholeness that he has for us, and be whole and walk in what he has for us, it's going to take continual abiding in him, walking with him day by day, as our reference point, as our example, as the source of our strength, as the one who died in our place to take away our sins, to wash away our sins, to give us everlasting life so that we can be forgiven and be made whole and made right with God. Jesus puts the pieces of our lives together as they ought to be. And he helps us to take those steps that we need to take. To take responsibility where we've been selfish. Where we've been irritable. Where we've been unkind and inconsiderate and impatient. Where we have prioritized things. Many things. Much stuff. I think this is a good message at the very beginning of the year. And, and, and coming right after Christmas time. Because we get so distracted with so many things during Christmas time, we can miss the one thing that God has for us. Christ is our reference point. And so we are to lay aside every weight and every sin that ensnares us. And we're to look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Let's look to Jesus in 2024. Daily, let's look to Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes on Jesus. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We're told in 1 John not to love this world or the things of the world. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the world, not of the Father, but of the world. And if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. But he who does the will of God lives forever. And so let's push aside the distractions that we have in our lives. Let's, here's a couple points of application. Simply simplify your life by focusing on and prioritizing the one thing that is needed most in 2024. It's the one thing that's needed most. What's the most necessary thing that you and I need? It's being with Jesus. We need him. It's a person that we need. Relationship with him. And let us resolve to let the word of Christ dwell in us. Let it dwell in you richly. And take delight in in his word. And obey it. In 2024. Let's resolve to be people of the word, people who incline our ears to the Lord and hear what he has to say and do what he's called us to do and take delight in doing it. Let us serve the Lord with gladness, not grumpiness. Let us serve the Lord with gladness. That is a part of our witness to a lost and dying world, that Jesus alone can satisfy the human heart, that Jesus alone is enough, that his grace is enough for us. Let us look to him. And so let me, let me just say this too. You know, we, one of our announcements here is we have opportunities here at City Church to serve. We got ministry opportunities here. We got a number of ministry opportunities. We got ministries that we wanna, we wanna start that are opportunities. We got ministries that are current that are opportunities. And it's healthy for Christians to serve. Not to just be served and not do anything like we're, we're called to be like uh, not like the Dead Sea that just has uh, life going into it, but no life going out. Therefore, everything dies within like a cold. It's like a cul-de-sac. There's no outlet. Right. We we're, we're called to have a, a service to others and and be like Jesus in that way. But first we receive from him. And so let us, let us not neglect our time with him. Let us not uh, just run and, and hit the ground running without getting our instructions from him, getting a glimpse of him. Charles Wesley says this in this hymn that I'm not, I was not familiar with. I have not, not familiar with this hymn, but um, one of the, the theologians I was reading quoted this hymn in, in light of this story here. It says this: He says, "Lo, I come with joy to do the Master's blessed will. Him and outward works pursue and serve his pleasure still. Faithful to my Lord's commands, I still would choose the better part, serve with careful Martha hands, Martha's hands, and loving Mary's heart."